Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we come before you right now, and as we do, we prepare to open your word, and we know that you desire to meet with us here in this place. You want to speak to us. You want to challenge us. You want to change us. And Lord, we know that your word is living that it is relevant and it is real. And so, Lord, we ask you to speak to us here in this place right now. In your name we pray. Amen. Dating. What a big topic. You know, one thing that I found is relevant to everyone in all eras and in all walks of life is the idea of male and female relationships. And that's what this series has been all about, male and female relationships. And whatever you want to call it, some people call it dating. The new term that's come back is courting. People say courting is better than dating. You know, back in the 50s, they said we're going steady. Whatever you want to call it, the idea is the same. And this morning, we're going to look at this topic in a message titled Friends with Benefits. And I know we hear that and we think of something that we shouldn't. But tonight we're going to see, or actually today we're going to see, what Friends with Benefits is really all about. Britney Spears recently said this, I don't understand the whole dating thing. Who in here has ever felt like that? I don't understand the whole dating thing. What is dating all about? What is it supposed to be? What does a healthy dating relationship look like? Hey, really quick question. Who in here has ever been involved in a bad relationship before? Okay, like, come on, be honest. I think all those hands should be up. We've all been involved in a bad relationship. A relationship that just seems like a train wreck, that it never gets better. It seems like you did everything bad that you could, and they did everything bad that they could, and it just always ends in heartache. You know, we've all been involved in bad relationships. When I was preparing this message, I asked myself, why do so many people date the wrong way? Why do so many people date bad? And I realized the reason that most people date the wrong way is because we as a society get our cues from the media. We get our dating lessons from Hollywood. And what does the media say about dating? What does Hollywood say about relationships? Well, I found a few quotes from some celebrities. Richard Gere says, I don't know if any of us who are in relationships are totally honest. It just doesn't exist. Mitch Hedberg said, I don't have a girlfriend, but I do know a woman who'd be very mad at me for saying that. Uh Uh-oh, Mitch. Anna Kornikova says, I have lots of boyfriends. I want you to write that. Every country I visit, I have a different boyfriend and I kiss them all. Jack Nicholson said, there's only two people in your life you should lie to. The police and your girlfriend. I don't think the celebrities have it right. So I looked at television and I wanted to see what television says about dating. So I looked at some of the most popular television dating shows to see what they say dating is all about. And I came to this. Number one, dating is not exclusive. It's okay to date and hook up with as many people as you want. Thank The Bachelor for that one. Number two, dating is simply a game. It's not real. Number three, if you get lucky, you might date and marry someone rich and then your life is set. You know, there's a new game show, uh, dating game show now called The Choice, where celebrities, rich celebrities, pick girls who come out and dance and try to make themselves look good so they can get a date with a celebrity. There was a show a while back called Who Wants to Marry a Multimillionaire? Seriously. And then finally, the perfect date 
is comprised of a private chef, a hot tub, and lots of wine, and maybe getting lucky at the end of the night. That's what society says about dating. That's what Hollywood says about dating. And I know it sounds crude, I know it sounds wrong, and that's because it is. That's not the way God intended relationships to be. That is not the way we're supposed to date. See, society looks at what can please instantly rather than ultimately. Here's a few statistics to show you where society is at with dating today. There's 54 million single people in the United States today. 40 million single people in the U.S. have tried online dating. All right, be honest. Who in here has or knows someone who's tried online dating before? Okay. I think there's probably more people who are a little ashamed, but that's okay. You know, I actually have friends who've met their spouse through online dating. I have friends who've met their boyfriend or girlfriend through Facebook. 53% of people say that they have dated more than one person simultaneously. Players, man. On average, couples wait between six to eight dates before they enter into an exclusive relationship. And on average, it takes between 12 to 14 dates before couples will trade house keys. Let me ask you a question. Is there a better way? Is there a better method to finding a spouse than that? Is there a better way to look for relationships than what society in Hollywood is forcing down our throats? See, for the world, the only benefit of friends with benefits is sex. And a huge problem with dating today is that we view dating like these tiny little marriages. And what happens is you become so invested, you become so tied to a person because of sexual intimacy that you create this mini marriage, which over time will split up and cause a mini divorce, complete with Facebook unfriending and toaster ovens being thrown at each other. It gets dirty. You know, I've seen couples that have come into my office that aren't married that we're dating and they hate each other. They just can't stand each other. They'll come in and they'll cry and I'll get a girl to come into my office or a guy and they're just talking about this horrible relationship and, and I'm always asking the question, well, well, how long were you married for? We weren't married. Were you engaged? Uh-uh. We were dating. Oh, well, like how long? Like five years? Three weeks. Are you serious? Come on. No wonder the divorce rate is so high today. We're teaching ourselves that it's okay to give something meant only for marriage and then once we're bored and we find something better that we can get out of there. And this is the way that human nature is. You know, I get people that come to me and they say, Nate, will you do a message on how far is too far? I do a talk show on Sunday nights on static radio called Shock Therapy Live and I have people that call in and say, hey, is this okay to do with my boyfriend or girlfriend? How far is too far to go with my boyfriend or a girlfriend? At what point does it become sin? Will you, will you answer that for me? And my answer is always no. I refuse to do that. Because you're asking me to draw you a line that you can walk up to and look over the edge. Rather than asking how far can I go before I'm sinning, because chances are whatever that marker is, it's probably sin. Ask yourself, how holy is too holy? Or how about how pure is too pure? Because as children of God, we should be seeking the highest that God has for us, not the lowest. We shouldn't be walking around looking for the worst Christian possible that we can get away with the most. No, we should be looking for the best, the best person that God desires for our lives. 
And so the question today is, what does the Bible say about dating? And we're going to see that if you do what the Bible says, the benefits of a godly relationship far outweigh the benefits of a worldly one. We're going to see that it's possible to have friends with benefits, but not the kind of benefits that the world offers. But I want to point out, as we look at this topic, we have to be careful because we want to look at it in light of biblical culture. So we have a tendency to look at the Bible through an American lens, as though Jesus wore red, white, and blue robes. And we have to keep in mind that this was written to an audience that is far different than ours today. And what I mean by that is, People sometimes like to get dogmatic about what the Bible says. Now, I'm a firm believer that we should understand what the Bible says, but do you want to know what the Bible says about dating? Well, it says that most marriages in Jesus' time were arranged. That means that you didn't get to choose who you marry. They told you, hey, you're marrying them. Get used to it. So that's what the Bible says about dating. So when we look at this topic, we have to take the cultural differences... And view them in our differences today. You know, when I was younger, I absolutely hated the idea of arranged marriage. It was the worst thing possible. The fact that my parents could choose the person that I'm with? No way! Let me tell you, I got a couple kids now, and uh, this isn't such a bad idea anymore. As a matter of fact, this whole arranged marriage is a very viable option for me going into the future. You know, find a family that's got a good-looking kid, exchange a few goats here and there, and there you go. We're all set. But I, I pray that God prepares me. I pray every day that God would prepare me for the day that I meet my daughter's first boyfriend. Actually, let me rephrase that. I pray that God would prepare my daughter's first boyfriend for the day that he meets me. That will be a day of reckoning. Let me tell you what. Let's just say that since Cadence was born, the idea of nunneries and AR-15s is very appealing to me. But here's the thing. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, this is how thou shalt date. There's not a chapter in the Bible that's the dating chapter where we can go and find all the credentials for the perfect date. And that's why when you go to the bookstore, there's so many Christian books on this subject, on the subject of dating. Let me tell you, some of them can be really helpful. Some of them are good. But when it comes down to it, always come back to this book, to the Bible. Because although it might not give us a chapter of guidelines for dating, it gives us some very good life application principles that when applied to dating or any other area of life, it can change our perspective. So this morning, whether you have kids, whether you're married, you're dating or you're single, this can help you. This can help you view relationships the way that they're supposed to be. So turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you three principles based on these verses, as well as the Song of Solomon for dating and relationships. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Let's turn there together and read what the Lord has for us this morning. Verse 37, it says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here we see our first point, and that is, be a God digger, not a gold digger. Now this is the greatest commandment, and this applies to every area of our lives, including dating. The commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
Now, this story is happening. Jesus is approached by somebody who asks him the greatest commandment, hoping to to trick him, hoping to tie him down. And Jesus responds very quickly that the greatest commandment is to love God. Now, again, this commandment applies to every area of life, including dating. Now, this should be your first question asked, period. This is the foundation and should be asked and answered before you even consider dating anyone, courting anyone. That question is, do you and do they adore God? 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. The question is, are they converted? Do they adore God? Ultimately ask this question, what do I want in a relationship? What does God want in my relationships? And are they the same? Now, this is a question that we ask in everything in life. What do I want? What does God want? And are they the same? Whether it's business dealings, whether it's transactions or or where we go, what, what God calls us to in our lives or who we're with. What do I want? What does God want? And are they the same? You know, a sad thing that I've seen, whether you're a high school student, a college student or you're grown up, that is that people have the tendency to drop their standards, to lower their standards. When we start out, we have a great idea of who it is that God has called us to be with. They're perfect. They're a Christian person. They love God. They want a family. They want all the same things we do. And our standards starts out way up here. And then for whatever reason, maybe we haven't dated in a while, it drops a little bit lower. And then we see that smoking hot guy or girl who isn't necessarily walking with God and it drops just a bit lower. And then that guy or girl asks us to do something we know we're not supposed to do, but they say that they love us, so we drop it a bit lower. And then what ends up happening over a period of time is we end up all the way down here looking up at the top and saying, how did I get myself in this situation? Let me tell you, it didn't happen immediately. It happened over time. It happened with slow, gradual decisions to lower your standards. No one just wakes up one morning, walking with God, loving Jesus, going to church, knowing the Bible, being involved in ministry, and they don't say, you know what, I want to get pregnant today. I really want some STDs. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen in dating relationships just as the way it doesn't happen with drugs. No one wakes up and says, you know what, I've never done drugs, but it's time to OD. It doesn't happen. It's slow, gradual decisions that cause us to lower our standards. That's not the way it should be, is it? We shouldn't be lowering our standards. We shouldn't be settling for the worst that God has for us. We shouldn't be driving the Pinto when God has parked out front the Ferrari. And ladies, I'm not talking about the tall, dark, and handsome Italian stallion kind of Ferrari. I'm talking about the Ferrari on the inside, not the outside. I'm talking about the motor. See, it doesn't matter... If a car looks great on the outside, the question is, does it run? And sadly, some people, because of society, a lack of discernment, are left dating someone who's a Ferrari on the outside and a Pinto on the inside. And that's because society tells us the most important things to look for are sexual attraction and money. That man, if they're loaded and they got a naughty body, then it's good to go. And that's what we're told. That's not right. That is not what we should be basing our decisions for dating on. We shouldn't be looking at that. 
We shouldn't be focusing on those external things. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something on the inside. You know, I read some really startling things online when I was preparing for this. And one that I read, it says, Women who post a photo on internet dating sites receive twice as many email messages as women who don't. And the same study found that men who reported incomes higher than $250,000 received 156% more email than those with $50,000. Money and looks. That's what society wants. 4M Multimillionaire Matchmaking Club, based in Seattle, Washington, I kid you not, has clients that are men who have made millions of dollars but are still single, and women can pay $250 to be listed as potential partners for these millionaires. Wow! What have we come to in America today? Don't be a gold digger, be a God digger. Don't let money, don't let looks, don't let possessions be the number one thing that you're looking for in your spouse. Let it be their relationship with God. Let it be a deep, sincere love for Jesus Christ. Let them be converted. Your first question is, do they adore God? You know, the first question we ask a couple seeking marriage here at Calvary is, are you both believers in Jesus? And if they answer yes... The second question we ask is, what do you believe about Jesus? Because a lot of people say they're Christians. Do you know that the majority of Americans believe themselves to be Christians? As a matter of fact, 76.5% of Americans claim to be Christians. The Bible doesn't say we should claim to be Christians. The Bible says we should be converted. That we're to be born again, which means changed. And not just are they converted, but here's a big one. Are they real? Are they real? Now, guys, sorry to call you out on this, but unfortunately, this applies mostly to us, to men. Are we really stoked about God? Or is that just a mask that we put on to be accepted? You know, it's sad. I've known a lot of guys that will put on a Christian mask. They'll speak those Christian words. They'll go to those Christian camps just to get a Christian booty call. And that is not right. That is not right for us to pretend To get something we want. You know what that is? That's selfishness. The question is, are they converted? Are they real? Do they adore God? And do they respect you? Do they respect the boundaries that you've put in place? Do they respect the convictions that you have? Do they love God with their lips and their lives? Seems like a lot of people love God with their lips, but I think very few love God with their lives. As a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet that half of those professed Christians don't really adore God. Sure, they go to church, but they've never been converted. They've never been changed. Question arises, how do you know if someone's really changed? How do you know if someone is converted It's really easy. First John gives us the method. They don't love the things of darkness, but they love the light. No, they're not perfect, but they want to grow. They want to change. They don't just adore God with their lips. They adore Him with their life. So the question isn't, are they Christian? But the question is, are they different? Are they changed? Are they seeking to grow in their relationship with Christ? When you look at their life, is there evidence of their belief in Jesus? 
Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that initial attraction, being attracted to someone physically. That's the butterflies, the, ooh, he's so cute. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we base our decision of who we're with off of that infatuation, that's wrong. You know, when a guy sees a beautiful girl, he says, I think I'm in love. That's not love. That's infatuation. Understand the difference. One study shows that between ninth grade and your second year in college, the average person will have five real loves. I think that a better definition would be what they think is real. That's a normal part of life. But what separates the feeling from true love? Simply, true love stands the test of time. Let me rephrase that. True love stands the test of patience. The best definition that I've ever heard of love is that love is a constant devotion, not a passing emotion. It's not just about butterflies. It's not just about a warm and cuddly feeling. It's about something more. It's about a devotion. So when I hear people come to me and they say, Nate, we just have to get married right now. We just can't wait. We're so in love. We're burning in our love for one another. We can't wait. I question whether or not it's really from God. Because the Bible says that love is patient. I encourage you, take time in the dating relationship. Let God bring the two of you together. Take time because there's a chance that you will spend the rest of your life with that person. You know, we know that we're not supposed to marry an unbeliever. And you might say, well, I don't want to marry them. I just want to date them. I just want to hang out. Hey, guess what? Dating leads to marriage. And you say, well, I would never marry them. Well, you've already dropped your standard to date them. So what's going to stop you from marrying them? What's going to stop you from once again, lowering your standard even further? We shouldn't date someone unless they're marriage material. If you look at someone and say, I could never marry them, then don't date them because you're wasting their time. What are you going to do? String them along so they think that you're in love with them? Is that right? No. Don't date unless they're marriage material. I would say, step further, to date without the possibility of marriage is setting yourself up to fall into sin. Setting yourself up. I would say that you shouldn't date at all until marriage is something that's in sight because honestly, what's the point? Well, we just want to have fun. We just want someone to hang out with. Hey, there's a super cool term that you need to learn. It's called friends. That's what friends do. They hang out. They have fun. They go to movies. If you don't listen to another thing that I say this morning, understand that whoever you're with, whoever you're dating should be a converted believer who has the evidence of God's work in their life and who adores God. Again, turn to Matthew 22, verse 39. We see the second greatest commandment. It says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now here in these next two verses, we find our next two points. And that is, once you love God, and once you have Him first in your life, the next step is to love others. So if you don't love God, don't try to love others. If you love God, and you've found someone else who loves God, then seek to love that person. But what does that mean, to love others? Well, I believe that the primary reason many relationships fail is because of selfishness. Pride. We lie to one another because we're selfish, and we don't want to hurt our own pride. 
we seek our own needs instead of the other person's needs because we're selfish and we want our needs met. And so the takeaway from this is that the more selfless you are, the better your relationship will be. The more you seek to be the man or the woman that God has called you to be, and don't worry about the other person, the better the relationship will be. And the first aspect of this love for others I want to look at is respect. And for that, I'll have you turn to Song of Solomon chapter 1, verse 9. Song of Solomon 1, 9. As we see our second point, act like royalty, not rap stars. You know, royalty are the most well-mannered and respectful of people. Well, rap stars aren't. Let's just say that. Song of Solomon 1, 9. We see Solomon says, I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. The question here is, do they respect you? Do they treat you well? And do they respect the Bibles and your boundaries? Here in Song of Solomon, he calls her a filly. Basically, he calls her a horse. We read that and say, how is that respectful? He just said, hey, horse face. That's not nice. That's not how you woo a girl. You don't walk up and say, hey, hey, girl, do you fall from heaven? No, why? Because you got a horse face. That's not what we do. It doesn't woo people. But basically, Solomon is saying that she is more important than his most prized possession. This filly, this horse, was the fastest horse in his stable. It was his favorite thing he owned. Guys, this is the 1969 Mustang Shelby Cobra GT that you just mouth water over. You see it and you're like, oh, man, I want that car. That's what this filly is. It's the Stang, all right? So it's worth protecting. It's worth pursuing. Is the person in your life worth pursuing? Is it worth protecting? Does your boyfriend or a girlfriend think that you're the bomb.com? Do they treat you like they treat their car? And gentlemen, we got to step up to the plate in this area. Be the leaders that God has called us to be. You are meant to be the initiator. Don't lead girls on. Don't toy with their emotions. Don't keep some girl in the wing as a backup plan as you seek better options. And guys, until that girl comes along that you're ready to respect and appreciate and value, don't you dare date a girl because you don't deserve her. And when you're finally ready to come to that place and pursue her, make sure she knows how much you value and respect her. Make her feel cherished and special. And girls, ladies, you've heard it said, don't be a player hater. Well, I'm telling you, don't be a player dater. All right? Don't hate the player, just don't date the player. For some reason, I have no idea why, sometimes girls are attracted to these sleazebag guys that are with tons of girls. All right, guys, don't be sleazebags. Girls, don't date the sleazebags. Okay? Let's get that on the floor. Ask yourself, does my boyfriend or girlfriend feel as cherished and loved as my most loved and valued fill-in-the-blank? Hobby? Possession? Whatever it is. Do they feel as cherished and loved as my most valued whatever? And one of the best ways that you can show respect is by asking what their parents think about the relationship. What do your parents or the authorities in your life think about the relationship that you're in? What do your parents or your pastors or the people you respect, do they approve of the guy or the girl that you're with? 
Let me tell you, if you're a guy in here who's dating a girl and her parents don't know about it, you're a jerk. All right? You're a jerk. You're disrespectful. And you might say, well, they won't like me. Okay, then change. Be somebody that they will like. Be somebody that they'll feel comfortable having their baby girl spend time with. Let me tell you, these girls don't deserve a jerk. They deserve a gentleman. These girls are made in the image of God. They need someone to respect them and care for them. And if you begin dating by being sneaky and disrespectful, you don't deserve a relationship. Let me tell you, if we start our relationship off in sin, do we really think it's going to get better? Do we really think, oh man, this relationship's so unhealthy now, but someday it's going to be great. Why are we starting off bad relationships? Again, seek the highest, not the lowest. And God gives us parents and he tells us in Ephesians 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is because sometimes people can be blind. We don't see all the points and the sides of who we are. We think we know ourselves, but we don't have a clue. And the plan of God is to give us people in our lives that can help us see things that maybe we don't see. People that have been around the block. People that have experienced things that we haven't. They might see something in this person that you're in love with that's dangerous. And some of it might be unreasonable. Guys and girls, I want to let you know. Things like, I don't like their hair. I don't like their tattoos. And you think that's stupid. And to a certain extent, you're right. But guess what? You still need to respect them. Why? Because God said so. Done deal. Case closed. Honor your parents. Sit down and talk to them. Ask them about this guy or girl. They might be blown away. They might flip out if you say that you want to introduce them to this guy or girl. And most importantly, they might be able to give you some insight They might be able to give you some advice and help keep you accountable. You know, when I first began having feelings for Janae, the very first thing I did was I called her dad. And that was just about the last thing that I wanted to do, but I wanted to show him respect. And so I called him up on the phone and I said, Hey, Mr. Chapin, you know, I've been hanging out with your daughter a lot lately and we've both started to have feelings for one another. And I wanted to ask for your permission to date your daughter with the pursuit of marriage. And I waited... And then he hung up. And I was like, sweet. He's coming for me with a shotgun. 30 minutes later, he called me back. His phone had died. And he was laughing hysterically. And he was like, "Uh, yeah, that's fine. Oh, goodness. Worst 30 minutes of my life. I called Janae. And I was like, Janae, your dad just hung up on me when I asked him if I could date you. And she was like, what? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. But I gained his respect. I gained his respect because I was seeking to respect and honor his daughter. Guys, this task falls completely on you. You've got to be the men in the relationship. Girls, if he doesn't have the guts to do this, then he isn't a man anyways and don't waste your time with him. When a guy comes and asks you out, tell him, yeah, that's fine. Just go ask my dad first. Remember this. Whoever you're dating or whoever you're married to, you're also dating or married to that family. So get comfortable with them because they're going to be around for a long time. Don't be scared to go around them. Don't tiptoe whenever you hear that they're coming. Now, maybe you don't live near your parents or maybe you're at an age where that's just weird. Okay, that's fine. Bring them to Calvary. 
Introduce them to your friends here. Introduce them to the pastors. Ask them, hey, what do you think about my boyfriend or girlfriend? Let me tell you, if you're in a relationship right now, ladies, that you just want to get out of, come introduce him like Pastor Nelson. Just say, hey, hey, Pastor Nelson, what do you think about this guy? And he'll just look him straight in the face and say, "Uh uh-uh, it's not going to work out. You know, we can maybe even like arrange a little gun cleaning while it's going on to help out the situation. But seriously, on an important note, I always encourage people to come and get prayer and counseling before the relationship starts. We have a tendency to wait to get counseling until there's a train wreck, until there's nothing good that can come of the situation. Why? Get the prayer and counseling before the train wreck. Let us help you. Let us talk to you about boundaries, love, and respect. Let us pray for you and get the relationship off to the right start. That little act of respect will mean so much to your relationship. Now, parents... You're not off the hook yet. Parents, you need to be the kind of people that your kids feel comfortable bringing their boyfriend or girlfriend around. You need to be the kind of people that your kids feel comfortable talking to you about this subject. Talk to them about these things, about these issues. Don't let dating become the forbidden word in your home. Because if you don't have the hands-on role in the relationship that you're supposed to, let me tell you, they're going to have them anyways. They're going to have them behind your back when you're not going to know about it, when you're not going to get to meet the guy or the girl, when you're not going to get to have a godly influence in that relationship. So number one, be a God digger, not a gold digger. Number two, act like royalty, not rap stars. And number three, if you've got game, use it. Again, we see what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 22. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here we see the second aspect of love for others. Number one, the first aspect is we respect one another. Number two, we pursue one another. Here, turn to Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 4, and we see the pursuit. Chapter 2 verse 4, he says, He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. This is one of the most important parts of the relationship. This is what to do once you have caught the fish. All right. Now, for all you married people who have tuned me out for the past 30 minutes, this is the time to listen. Because this applies to you. This applies to marriage. This applies to dating. This implies to engagement. This is one of the main reasons why marriages fall apart. A lot of people spend so much time in the actual pursuit of love that once they actually find it, they don't know what to do with it. It's like a dog chasing a car. If he finally catches it, what does he do with it? And when you pursue your significant other, you've got game, right? You write songs, you have flowers, you do romantic dates, you do poems, you do all these things, you stay up late at night talking on the phone for hours, and then once you get married, why should it stop? If you've got game, use it. Why stop once you've won? See, guys and girls alike want to feel pursued. They want to feel desired even after they've been won over. And this requires cultivation. So if you've got game, use it. Use it while you're dating. Use it while you're engaged. And certainly use it while you're married. It takes time for a relationship to grow. And three different times here in Song of Solomon, we see this young couple spending time together. And for a relationship to blossom and continue to grow, there has to be time spent. If you want to see your relationship flourish, whether you're dating or married, 
If you want to see it flourish, then spend time together. Not in a movie theater or in a dark room kissing, but rather personal time getting to know one another. How important that is to talk about life with each other. Song of Solomon 115, we see that Solomon again gives one of his incredible compliments. Behold, you are fair, my love. You have dove's eyes. All right, Saul, you're calling her horse face and you're calling her bird face. What's going on, bro? Come on, let's pick it up. Let's step your game up. But it's a beautiful compliment because what he's saying is that a dove has tunnel vision, a dove eye. They see nothing else but what's in front of them. And Solomon is saying that because of their adoration for God, their respect for one another, and the time they've spent with one another, there's a growing commitment to one another. Here's something that truly defines a Christian relationship, and that is commitment. And this character, characteristic needs to be cultivated all the way up till the day of marriage when you stand before God in a room full of people and you promise to forsake all others and live only for you as long as you both shall live. And the only way this commitment can come is through quality time spent with one another and God. Song of Solomon 116, we see that the girlfriend responds to Solomon's beautiful compliment and says, Behold, you are handsome, my beloved, yes, pleasant. She says, Dude, you're hot. Man, you got it going on. Now, girls, you have to understand that guys want you to think they're cool. They do. That's why they douse themselves with Axe body spray. And that's why they say they're way better at everything than what they actually are. They're good at everything. Oh yeah, I caught a fish. It was this big. Oh, I can, I can snowboard. I can do double backflips. And they're better at everything than what they actually are. They want you to think they're cool. That's why he does the things he does and says the things he says. He doesn't care what anyone else in the entire world thinks about him as long as you think that he's all that and a bag of chips. Now ladies... Affirm your husbands. Affirm your dates. Guys, same goes, same goes for the girls. Girls want to know that they're the most beautiful girl in the entire world. You need to let them know that she's the most beautiful girl in the world, that no one else can compare to her, that nothing else in the world comes between you and her. And in this dating and marriage relationship, there needs to be constant affirmation of one another. And now it says that he is pleasant. That's basically to say that he's charming. So the last thing in this point is, are you friendly? Are you kind? Guys, this is how you should treat a young lady. You should be kind, pleasant. And this is so important in a relationship. In order to cultivate relationship, you must first cultivate friendship. This is what friends with benefits is all about. Close friends with godly benefits. Not sexual intimacy, but spiritual intimacy. Not monetary value, but moral value. It's so important to invest in one another through quality time spent. It doesn't need to be a steak dinner or an expensive event because it doesn't matter what you're doing, but it matters who you're with. Also, make sure as you're doing that, refine the relationship, not just emotionally, but spiritually, leading one another in the Lord, building one another up in your walk with the Lord. So as we close, I encourage you, if you mold your relationship to these three principles, be a God digger, not a gold digger. Love God. Act like royalty, not rap stars. Respect one another. 
And finally, if you've got game, use it. Pursue one another. Now this stuff might sound legalistic to you. It might sound stiff to you. But ask someone who's chosen the wrong mate because of a lack of counsel or prayer. Ask someone who's in an unhappy relationship because their husband or wife isn't a Christian. Maybe you've seen the consequences of this in your own life through divorce or through a parent's divorce. I encourage you, make a checklist. And if they pass that checklist, then spend time with them in group situations first. Ask yourself, are they a representation of Jesus to me? Not do they have long hair and a beard. That's only for indie bands. But are they a representation of spiritual quality in my life? And finally, don't be transparent or dependent. I need, therefore I love. That will always lead to heartache. Seek your love in Christ. He thinks you're beautiful. He thinks you're handsome. And he desires a relationship with you. And even if nothing becomes of the relationship with this guy or girl, at at least you've developed good fellowship. And that is what the true benefit of dating is God's way. That is friends with benefits. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the benefits of following your word the benefits of living a godly life and having godly relationships. I pray that you will help everyone in here, whatever stage in life they're at, whether they're single, dating, engaged, or married, I pray that you would strengthen their relationships, help them to seek you first and to seek one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.